since that day, the desire to feel the pregnancy glow has never gone away, only intensified. Hey there! If you believe in God and aren't really sure what to do with that belief, or if you personally know Jesus and want a deeper relationship with Him, then this podcast is for you. I'm Rachel Middleton, and welcome to the BookCast. Welcome to Chapter 6. This chapter marks the halfway point of one of the first books to be released via a podcast. If you are joining us for the first time today, I want to welcome you and thank you for listening. I also want to thank the people who have been listening since chapter one. Way to go, my friends. I don't believe in happy accidents, so I truly believe that each person listening today is here for a reason. Speaking of beliefs, that's what today's chapter is all about. I believe that the spiritual and supernatural realm is much closer and more real than we give it credit for. I also think that we only have bits and pieces in describing it because we don't have the full picture yet. With that being said, I realize that some may not agree with the terminology I use in the next few chapters, and that's perfectly okay. We can still be united in Christ even when we have differences in beliefs and opinions. If you come across something that you don't necessarily agree with, as we do with all things, test it with the Holy Spirit and with scripture. I don't think that we will fully be able to understand or explain the spiritual world on this side of heaven. So I encourage you to listen with an open heart to hear if the Lord has anything for you in my insufficient ways of describing a small part of the supernatural component of our God. 1 Corinthians 13.12 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. On that side of heaven, we will know fully, even as we are fully known. We are fully known because of who we are truly in Christ. And who we are in Christ is the truest thing. From the book of Exodus, chapter 34, verses 33 through 35. When Moses finished speaking with them, he covered his face with a veil. But whenever he went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he would remove the veil until he came out again. Then he would give the people whatever instructions the Lord had given him, and the people of Israel would see the radiant glow of his face. So he would put the veil over his face until he returned to speak with the Lord. Chapter 6. Positively Glowing Negative. Only one pink line appeared in the window of a white plastic stick. The test was negative. Should I cry? Should I scream? Should I shove the stupid thing in the trash? None of those options felt right to my fragile heart. So I carefully slid the pregnancy test back into its foil sleeve, gingerly put it back in its pink box, and then intentionally buried it deep in the kitchen trash can. I didn't really want my husband to know I had wasted more money on yet another test 
when I had no reason to. I didn't really want to answer questions about it. I didn't want pity or anything else that resembled it. I just wanted to move on with my day. My body didn't feel any different. I had no real reason to take the pregnancy test. But I had hoped that maybe this would be the holiday season that we could surprise our parents with gifts that announced they would be grandparents. I had hoped that I could begin to share that joy with our closest friends and capture their reaction on video. If I'm honest, I've imagined those scenarios in my head more often than I'd like to admit. Imagining how to tell our friends and family that God's finally answered our prayer for a child. I've imagined what it would feel like to know that I carry life inside me. On the days when I feel hopeful, I sometimes would indulge myself and imagine the glow that I would have if I were pregnant. Just thinking about it made me feel special. Almost like I would begin to glow when indulging this imagination. But inevitably, reality would settle in and would bring a wave of sorrow to cover any artificial glow that I felt. Glowing. The concept of glowing from the inside out has fascinated me since I was young. I have encountered several people who I thought just seemed brighter than everyone else. It just felt like they had a light inside of them, like a secret, and that showed through their skin. Every time I encounter such a person, I am mesmerized at the glow I feel from them. I remember on one occasion in college, I was a waitress at a local restaurant and served a party to the big round table in the corner. She was very pregnant, and I remember thinking how I had never seen such a beautiful woman before. On the outside, she seemed to be an average-looking woman, but what was so striking about her beauty came from the child she carried. She seemed to radiate love and pure joy. That night, a small seed was planted in my heart, a desire to look that beautiful and radiant whenever I became pregnant. Since that day, the desire to feel the pregnancy glow has never gone away, only intensified. As I've grown and as my marriage has stabilized, I've continued to imagine what that glow would feel like a glow from feeling the precious gift grow inside of me and eventually feel the glow of pride from seeing a reflection of my husband's eyes in the face of a dark-haired child. For that glow, I continue to wait and pray. While I have not yet felt the specialness of the pregnancy glow, I remember a few other times in my life when I have felt a certain level of glow. One of those times was just after a conference with my youth group. During that conference, I heard the Lord speak to me for the first time, and I was on a spiritual high. I remember feeling so close to God after hearing Him call me to children's ministry, and that close feeling seemed to emanate from the inside of my being. A few weeks after that youth conference happened, a woman came up to me after church and asked me if I was dating someone. 
thrown off by the odd question from one of my mom's friends. I laughed it off and answered a truthful no. When I asked why, she asked. She said that I just had this glow about me. She asked again if it was because of a boy and didn't seem to believe me when I told her that it might be because I felt so close to God. I believe this special glow was from the Holy Spirit that I had encountered at the youth conference. The experience of feeling so close to the Lord had given my heart a reason to shine through my face. I felt the Lord in my everyday life and couldn't help but smile because of it. It was the first time I had felt that level of intimacy with the Lord. It is my first real memory of what it's like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Mixed Feelings Until a few years ago, I had a lot of mixed feelings when it came to the phrase, filled with the Spirit. I had experienced God and the Holy Spirit in a deep and personal way, so I knew that it was possible. But when I would hear certain churchy phrases like that, I didn't always know how to feel about them. Growing up in a family that believed in the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, but didn't live it out in their daily life, left my heart confused and unsure if it was real. Add to that a few bad experiences with good-intentioned people, and I got mixed emotions when it came to the Holy Spirit for most of my adult life. I remember one specific bad experience where a traveling preacher came to my parents' church. I can't place this particular memory on the timeline of my life, so I'm unsure of how old I was, but in the memory, I feel young, possibly early grade school. At the end of the service for this traveling preacher, I remember going up for prayer, not because I had been moved by the sermon and not because I needed prayer, but because it seemed like the whole church went up for prayer and I didn't want to be left out. As I stood in line waiting for prayer, I saw person after person fall backwards as the preacher prayed for them. While this hadn't been explained to me, I had seen this happen before, so I wasn't alarmed. But this time, every single person who was being prayed for went down. The ushers caught each person as they fell, kind of like a Christian version of a trust fall. I remember my childhood brain thinking, I only want to faint if it's really God. I wanted to really experience the Holy Spirit, not just fall over because everyone else had. So as my turn for prayer approached, I stood my ground, ready to either remain on my feet or get hit with a bolt of lightning-like energy from God and go down like the rest of them. The lightning-like energy never came. What came instead was a large hand on my forehead. It started out as a soft hand on my head, but quickly grew in pressure. I wanted the real thing. I wanted to feel God for myself. I braced my back leg and pressed back against the hand, wanting to wait until I truly felt God's presence. 
I remember hearing the preacher increase the volume in his prayer, and it began to frighten me. As he prayed louder and prayed against the spirit of rebellion in me, my resolve to remain standing melted away. Thoughts like, I don't want to be rebellious, flew into my head. Suddenly, I was acutely aware of how it would look if I was the only person left standing at the end of the prayer line. After a few more moments of deliberation, I let the preacher push me over into the hands of the ushers. The gentle hands from behind caught me and tenderly laid me down on the sanctuary floor. As I laid there, eyes closed tight and muscles frozen from confusion, I tried to feel the Holy Spirit. Instead, my mind flooded with questions. Questions like, what am I supposed to do while I'm down here? What's supposed to happen? Am I supposed to feel something? How long am I supposed to stay down here? Will it look bad if I get up after such a short time on the floor? Why can't I feel the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit even feel like? After that day, serious doubts crept into my heart. Not doubts if God was real, but doubts about the Holy Spirit, what he was supposed to feel like, and if he was good. These doubts solidified a few years later while attending a middle school church camp. After a long day of paying attention and trying to behave for lessons, a group of almost 40 children were expected to worship on a deep level and feel the Holy Spirit. Instead, I felt what the other children felt, fatigue, boredom, and the need for rest and unstructured playtime. As the worship CD boomed through the speakers, the focus of the room gave way, and conversations began to take place in all corners of the room. The adults felt the weight of these distractions and tried their best to redirect us fatigued middle schoolers. Eventually, the director of the camp paused the CD. I don't remember what she said, but I remember her raised voice shaking through my body. I remember the knot in my stomach and feeling guilty as if it was my fault that no one could feel the Holy Spirit. Us kids quieted down and a few people raised their hands as the last songs on the CD played. In order to not feel at fault for the collective scolding, I tried to focus and feel the Holy Spirit, and so I lifted my hands as well. However, I didn't feel a whole lot of anything, besides the residual shame. As the songs ended, the director talked about how she was so proud that we pressed in and worshipped. She talked about how she could feel the Holy Spirit in the room. I remember thinking, I didn't feel anything. From these two experiences, the doubts on what the Holy Spirit felt like solidified in my heart, and I couldn't shake them. These feelings of uncertainty and uneasiness concerning the Holy Spirit stretched on for years. And, if I'm honest, these uneasy feelings can sporadically spring up again when I'm not in a spiritually healthy place. 
but God graciously walks me through these uneasy feelings as they come and bring me back to a place of intimacy with the Holy Spirit. I am thankful that God has brought healing to my heart and healing to my relationship with the Holy Spirit. Our Relationship It has been a slow process, but God has brought profound healing to my heart when it comes to my relationship with the Holy Spirit. I always seemed to know how to relate to God the Father and Jesus, but the Holy Spirit aspect of God felt enigmatic and mysterious. The Holy Spirit seemed vague, unattainable, and distant. I felt like I couldn't trust Him. I didn't know what category of my understanding to put Him in, so I didn't know how to approach Him. To me, the Holy Spirit felt kind of like that weird uncle in the family. The one you don't really know and would feel awkward talking to for more than a few casual minutes at the family Thanksgiving. This distant feeling and misunderstanding lasted for years. I didn't know what to do with the Holy Spirit, so I just kind of left him alone, focusing on my relationship with Jesus and Father God first. Eventually, though, God wanted me to experience all aspects of him, including the Holy Spirit part of himself. He began to restore and open my heart to him. This restoration of my relationship with the Holy Spirit started similarly to how the disconnect started with a traveling preacher. At this point, I had been married for a few years and had learned to trust the community in our home church. So when this particular traveling preacher came, I was hesitant at first, but trusted the people who encouraged me to go. I remember listening to his sermon with my arms crossed and my heart closed. If my heart had a door, it would have been bolted shut towards the Holy Spirit. But mercifully, God met me there. This preacher seemed to know what I felt, and he spoke directly to my wounded soul. His sermon reassured me that it was okay to be hesitant of the Holy Spirit, but also talked about his incredible goodness and power. When the time came for prayer, the traveling preacher explained that he doesn't push people over when he prays for them but that he gently places his hand on their head. He explained that it was okay if someone remained standing while he prayed for them and that it didn't mean that they experienced anything less. I felt the knot in my stomach relax as a crack in the door to my heart appeared. Still hungry to feel a genuine connection to all parts of God, I cautiously shuffled to the front of the church hoping for a real encounter with God this time. As I stood in line for prayer with my husband, I wondered what his thoughts were and if he was as anxious as I was. While I had grown up in this culture of revival services, he had never experienced anything like this. He seemed optimistic, though, excited and open to prayer. Seeing his response brought a certain level of ease to my body. As the traveling preacher made his way down the row of people to be prayed over, some remained standing, 
and some fell backwards, overcome by what they felt from the presence of God. As the preacher shifted closer to me, I felt the level of uneasiness in my body rise. So I quietly switched spots with my husband so that he would be prayed for first. Then I watched as my six-foot, three-inch tall husband immediately fell backwards into the hands of the ushers the instant the preacher's hand touched his head. Involuntarily, my body tensed and formed its brace-for-impact kind of stance, the same one it remembered from childhood. As the preacher stepped in front of me, my eyes shut tight. Heart racing and muscles tense, my mind whispered, God, I only want to fall over if it's really you. What came next was wholly unexpected. A gentle hand barely touched my forehead. I stood frozen, listening to the words of the prayer. They surprisingly resonated with my own heart's cry by asking the Holy Spirit to fill me up with His love and power and encounter me in a real way. Jaw clenched, I listened intently as the preacher blessed me, and then a few seconds later, he moved on to the next person waiting for prayer. I stood there, physically unmoved by the prayer, but what had moved? was my heart. I felt a peace surround me as a layer of the anxiety surrounding my relationship with the Holy Spirit melted away. In my mind, I heard echoes of the blessing prayed over me, and I felt reassured that despite the fact I didn't fall over, I was still blessed. After a few minutes, I opened my eyes and saw my husband, now standing next to me, praying over me with more power and authority than I had ever heard him use. He spoke life over me and my physical body. He prayed healing over my womb and thanked God for the children we would eventually have. I had not heard him speak like that before. Up till that night, it felt like infertility was a battle I was struggling with by myself. Now, it felt like we were in it together. Authority replaced the apathy in my husband's voice. After the service, we saw our senior pastor in the hallway who had been helping the traveling preacher pray for each person. Our pastor stopped us and told my husband that out of the 40 people they prayed for, he felt the most power when praying over my husband. I distinctly remember our pastor saying, It was like a bolt of lightning just shot straight into you. I stood there stunned as my husband agreed that he experienced the same thing. He had been overwhelmed by the tangible presence of the Lord, and he couldn't help but collapse under the weight of the glory he felt. The experience I had expected as a young child happened to my husband. As we got in the car, I could really see the difference. My husband, normally shy about spiritual things, rattled on and on about his experience, talking about the deep love of God and how much peace he felt. Plus, there was a new confidence about my husband, a new air of purpose, a new glow. We went back for the next three sessions that this traveling preacher spoke at. 
Each time I listened, the crack in the door to my heart widened ever so slightly, and each time I went up for prayer. I never did fall over, but after every prayer, I felt a softening happening in my own heart. I felt a strength to believe in the supernatural aspects of God. Never once was the prayer invasive or condemning, but always uplifting and comforting. I believe that I can trace my spiritual healing back to these prayer sessions, because from then on, the Holy Spirit had my trust. However, I still wanted more. I didn't want to stop there because I still could feel a certain level of distance with the Holy Spirit and my heart. I wanted to feel close with the Holy Spirit and feel that glow that I saw now in my husband. I knew that God had more healing for me in this area, and I didn't want to stop there. Sozo Over the next couple of years, I saw little growth add to my relationship with the Holy Spirit. Again, I felt I could trust the Holy Spirit more, but He still seemed far away most of the time. I no longer had a strong aversion to the things of the Holy Spirit, but I could tell that there was still more healing needed. I grew in my relationship with Father God and Jesus, but I hungered for deeper connection with the Holy Spirit. I think that it was this hunger that I brought into the Sozo Healing Prayer Session. The Greek word Sozo means saved, healed, and delivered. Sozo is also a term for an intentional hour-and-a-half-long prayer session led by trained prayer warriors whose goal is to bring emotional and spiritual healing. When I scheduled my Sozo healing prayer, I only had in mind the healing I needed from still carrying around residual ties to my old best friend. I had no idea that I would experience the Holy Spirit in a deep way that I could understand. During my Sozo prayer session, after I had surrendered a painful memory to God, the ladies praying for me prompted me to ask God what He had for me in return. Eyes closed gently, I asked, God, what do you have for me in return? Before I even finished that sentence, I saw a picture of a large red gift box with a bright yellow ribbon securing the lid. Inside the box was, exceptionally unexpected, a gray tabby cat. After a few minutes of trying to figure out what this cat meant, I finally gave up trying to think about it and just sat there watching this imaginary cat. When my mind calmed down, I saw that gray cat curled up in my lap and a profound sense of peace and calm radiated from my stomach and filled my whole body. This peace felt similar to that glow I had experienced back in high school. In the Sozo prayer session, we moved on to other areas of healing. And towards the end of the prayer, the ladies had me ask the Holy Spirit to join me in sitting with Father God and Jesus. Once I invited the Holy Spirit to come and sit with me, I saw that same gray cat, the gift that God gave me, sit in my lap 
while I was in the presence of Father and Jesus. This felt natural and less complex than what I had made the Holy Spirit out to be. I felt at ease in the presence of the Holy Spirit here and could feel his warmth and light. For the longest time, I had no idea how to relate to the Holy Spirit as a person. Trying to relate to him felt vague, complicated, and unsettling. But being an animal lover, I know how to relate with cats. I know that usually I have to just sit and wait for them to come and join me. I know that I cannot force a cat to do anything, but that I can just enjoy their presence when they choose to snuggle me. I believe that God gave me the image of a cat, not because he is a cat, but as an introduction on how to approach the Holy Spirit. I think God wanted me to comprehend his presence in a way that was not threatening or foreign to my heart. I walked out of that Sozo prayer session with a newfound peace and confidence. I could finally feel the Holy Spirit in a way that I understood, and my heart lit up like a Christmas tree in mid-December. I could tell that these feelings of peace and love seeped through my skin and radiated from my heart. I felt like I was back in high school when I had first heard God's voice, God's call to children's ministry. I finally felt like I was glowing. I wanted to feel this close to the Holy Spirit forever. I wanted to always be filled with the Spirit like this. Filled with the Spirit My understanding of the idea behind being filled with the Holy Spirit has changed over the last few years. While growing up, I misunderstood the idea of being filled with the Spirit as almost a second point of salvation. I wrongly thought that you were saved once and then almost saved again when you were filled with the Holy Spirit. This misunderstanding only added to my confusion surrounding the Holy Spirit as it almost felt like it formed two different levels of Christians, the ones who were saved and the ones who were slightly better than the rest because they were also filled with the Holy Spirit. I now know that this is not the case. This misunderstanding came from the simple fact that I just didn't have the right language to contextualize what being filled with the Spirit means. Thanks to the School of Kingdom Ministry, I now have the language to understand what being filled with the Spirit actually means. A few years ago, we had the opportunity to join our church as they hosted a class called the School of Kingdom Ministry. This nine-month course took my husband and I through a few big steps in faith and brought some deep healing in our individual relationships with the Holy Spirit. One of the biggest things that made a difference in my understanding was the definition they gave of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Putty Putman, creator of the School of Kingdom Ministry, explained that being filled with the Holy Spirit is not like I had imagined. I had imagined that it was like God took an empty glass and filled it with water. That's not it. But instead, Putman points out that as Christians, we aren't empty, 
because we already have the Holy Spirit inside of us. He explained that it is more accurate to say that the Spirit is stirred up in us when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. The analogy that Putman used to describe this idea is that of a snow globe. Imagine this. If each believer is like a snow globe, then the flecks of glitter represent the Holy Spirit. When we become a part of God's family, God fills up our empty heart. He fills our empty snow globe with His Spirit. He adds glitter to the emptiness of the water. When this happens, God gives us His all. We receive the fullness of Christ in us right then and there. Once He seals the lid, we can never do anything to increase or decrease the amount of glitter put inside our snow globe because we have it all. We receive all of His Spirit when we become part of His family. Putman suggests that when the Bible talks about being filled with the Spirit, that it is like taking that snow globe and shaking it. The glitter then fills and permeates the entirety of the globe, not just covering the bottom. The glitter was always there, but once shaken, the glitter fills the jar. Putman compared this to the Holy Spirit and how when we are filled with the Spirit, it's not that we are empty and He fills us, but more that He fills and permeates our whole being instead of remaining settled at the bottom. Putman also pointed out that someone can be filled several times with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 5.18, Paul writes, And do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Putman put forth the idea that just as you can get drunk several times, so we can be filled with the Spirit several times. And just as you can shake a snow globe several times, so can you be filled with the Spirit several times. As I listened to Putty Putman talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, I felt a sense of relief in the idea that there are not two different levels of Christians, but that we all receive the fullness of Christ. The Holy Spirit lives inside of every believer, and so the fullness of God lives in each of us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit from the moment we say yes to Jesus. Glowing Identity However. Just as the glitter settles inside a snow globe, so can we feel the Holy Spirit settle inside our hearts. For me, when I felt the fullness and glow from the Holy Spirit in high school, I wanted to feel that way forever. But life eventually got busy as the most intense academic year of my high school career began. The glitter settled and I lost that glow inside my heart. As the years drug on, my young adult heart yearned to feel that glow again. And once I had seen the pregnant woman at the restaurant in college, I latched on to the idea that it was only through pregnancy that I could achieve that level of specialness. I believe that is when I looked to the idea that I could achieve that glow through pregnancy. 
But it wasn't until after opening my heart up again to the Holy Spirit that I felt that level of fullness again. It wasn't until gaining healing for the spiritual wounds and growing in my relationship with the Holy Spirit that I felt that glow again. And the best part was that each time the Lord took my snow globe and shook it, I felt more and more alive, more and more like the me God created. You see, that is what being filled with the Holy Spirit has to do with my identity. I believe that being filled with the Holy Spirit, being shaken up and feeling God in our whole being, is meant to be our default. God created us to know and experience Him fully, and I believe that it is in experiencing God fully that we discover who we truly are and who we are meant to be. I believe the truest thing about us is that we are meant to experience all parts of God on a real and relational level. I had a relationship with Father God and Jesus, but my relationship with Holy Spirit had been wounded and tainted by human misrepresentation. Because of this, I couldn't fully relate to God because I was neglecting a whole part of Him, a whole person of the Godhead. And because I couldn't fully relate to God, I could not see myself for who I truly am in Christ. But once I learned how to truly connect with the Holy Spirit, I believe that that part of me has come alive. I feel more deeply connected to God, but at the same time, more deeply connected with myself, my truest self. I've come to realize that my source of glow does not come from pregnancy. No, it's much more permanent than that. My source for glowing comes from the Holy Spirit shining through me. It comes from knowing who I am in Christ and being filled with His Spirit. God has brought me a long way in my identity journey. Now I know how to relate to the Holy Spirit and be filled with Him. He has taught me how to enjoy his presence without imagining a cat. And he has used my relationship with the Holy Spirit to ground my identity in who he is. It's all been him. He has proved himself faithful and made true for me what he said through the prophet Jeremiah. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jeremiah 29.13 God said, when we seek Him with all of our hearts. That includes the hurt parts of our hearts, the wounded bits, and the misunderstandings of His goodness. He wants us to seek Him out with those parts too. For me, this looked like desiring to know the Holy Spirit even though I still had spiritual healing to go through. Even on the days when it felt uncomfortable and strange, my desire to know Him outweighed the pain that humans had caused. Through this process, God's helped me forgive and show grace to those people who misrepresented Holy Spirit to me. I hold no grudge against the nameless traveling preacher who pushed me over or the director of the camp who yelled at us for just being kids because I recognize that they were simply human. 
We all mess up, and as humans, we all miss the mark. Even in the misguided and incomplete parts of these experiences, I know that the Holy Spirit was there with me, comforting me and drawing me closer to Him. The fact of the matter is that God chooses to use us imperfect humans to represent Himself to the world. He puts His light, His glow inside of us to shine for others to see. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Matthew 5.16 Because God is dedicated to using imperfect people, I am no longer surprised that the Holy Spirit used flawed people to introduce me to himself. I am just so thankful that God did not allow me to stay in a place of hurt. God did not allow my glitter to remain settled. God met me where I was and continued to open my heart to him through healing. You glow too. If, like me, you have had a time in your life where you doubt and second-guess all of this Holy Spirit stuff because of past wounds and misunderstandings, I do not judge you, nor do I blame you for that skepticism. I don't expect you to believe everything I've said or even agree with my theology. That's okay. We can still hold hands as brothers and sisters in Christ. But I want to encourage you today to never close your heart to the miraculous. Don't try to explain away the supernatural aspects of God. This isn't to say that we should seek out every supernatural tangent or spiritual experience. There are plenty of experiences in the world that cross into the realm of witchcraft and they are not from God. But that's not what I'm talking about. Instead, my challenge for us today is to not be satisfied with a concrete definition of the Holy Spirit and how He moves. My challenge is to allow the Holy Spirit outside of the clearly defined box of our understanding. God is still challenging me to not limit Him, and I can't begin to explain the Holy Spirit or how He works. Full warning, I am not a biblical scholar, nor am I a theologian, so my words should not be held as such, nor are my words any kind of substitute for the actual Word of God, the Bible. I just write from my lived experience of what I've seen and encountered. And what I've seen is astounding. For God to take a skeptical person like me who saw several misuses of His Spirit and draw me closer and closer to Him and help me find my identity in Him as His child is just a small testimony of how gracious He really is. I believe that if He can do it for me, He can do that for anybody. The Holy Spirit is inside each of us as children of God, so each of us carry that glow with us. So for our prayer today, I want to open our hearts up to all that God has for us. This prayer is purposefully general because I do not want to force you to base your prayer or theology 
on what I say and believe. I simply want to place our hearts in a posture of humility to receive all that God has for us as individuals. As always, this form of repeat-after-me prayer is only meant to be a guide because sometimes we need help forming our words. As you feel ready, repeat this after me. Dear Holy Spirit, I want all that you have for me. I want to experience all you have for me. Help me to seek you with my whole heart, wounds and all. Give me the courage to stretch my understanding of you, even if it goes outside my current definition. Fill me up, guide me, and let your light shine through me. Let others see your glow inside me and allow them to be drawn to you because of the glow they see in me. Heal any of the wounds that have kept me from experiencing you fully. And continue to show me who I truly am in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Resources. For today, I have put links in the show notes to find a location for Sozo Healing Prayer. If you feel a prompting to look into the Sozo Healing Prayer sessions, feel free to visit the links I've given. I highly recommend it for any believer because God used it as a tool to heal many wounds in my own heart, and I believe He can do the same for you. I've also listed a link to the School of Kingdom Ministry class. If you are interested in becoming a student or interested in hosting a class, I think it is so worth the investment. Thank you so much for joining me for Chapter 6. I hope that some of my story resonated with you, and perhaps you had someone pop into your head that you want to share today's episode with. That might be Holy Spirit. If that is the case, I encourage you to share this episode with them and maybe start a conversation with them. Who knows? Maybe it'll be a catalyst for their healing journey as well. I pray blessings over that journey, and I pray that you have a blessed day in Jesus.